Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof here on 3CR 8.55am. This is the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. It's a special summer holiday edition. Going to hear some uh, highlights uh, and reporting from through the year. Uh, my name is Shane. I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? Hey, Shane. How are you? Good. At this point in time, in the magic of pre-recorded radio, I'm on holiday, so I'm having a great time. Uh, let's see. We are talking today about public housing. So HAG has always been an organisation that believes strongly in public housing, uh, that it's the best form of housing for older people generally, uh, as well as advocating for it as a, a, a housing solution more broadly for the whole community. Um, everyone knows that the waiting times for public and social housing in Victoria are completely unmanageable and blown out. Uh, earlier this year, we saw the waiting list grow to sort of the mid-50,000s in terms of applications. And the Victorian Public Tenants Association back in, I think, June estimated that, you know, because there's more than one person per application, that that represents a total of 110,000 people uh, in need of a home. And more than half of that list are on the, the priority application list who are sort of recognised as having special housing needs. Um, that was... Before the crazy rent inflation and housing stress that we've seen with increased uh, inflation and cost of living and interest rates and things like that in the second half of the year. Uh, so really at a pretty critical point. So the Victorian government's good news, supposedly, was the big housing build, uh, their massive, quote-unquote, investment in uh, housing. And Fiona, why don't you tell us who we're going to hear from first in terms of the real value of that big housing build? So we're going to hear from an interview that we recorded earlier in 2022 with Dr David Kelly from RMIT, and he is going to explain exactly what the big housing build is and how it relates to the public housing renewal program and debunk some of the rhetoric that has been um, put out by the Victorian government. So we'll go straight into that now and then we'll... Come back to hear some more interviews. The first one was a $532 million big housing spend um, on Victoria government land, so the New Body Homes Victoria land. And basically what this is is a mini renewal program. So there's six sites within this, um, five of which are on existing public housing estates. And we looked at some of the numbers there and we asked ourselves, okay, how many public housing dwellings are currently on these sites and found that there was 446 public housing dwellings on these sites and they'll be replaced by 
500, um, 560, I think, um, community housing dwellings. So it's just a kind of typical renewal program, and that comes in at a cost of 532 mil. In the public housing renewal program, all of Ascot Vale will be demolished and rebuilt, but what the, um, the big housing builder is doing is taking one small component of that, the Dunlop Avenue um, section of the estate, and saying that that is now part of the big housing build. So there's a bit of kind of double counting, and so... Basically, all of this 532, or nearly all of it, was already accounted for in the, in the uh, public housing renewal program. All they're going to actually see is a net gain of 54 social housing dwellings. So if you ask yourself, all right, you're spending $532 million to get 54 dwellings, that's a cost of $9.85 million per dwelling. There's so much vacant land already out there that's owned by the government. Um, we know that they hold it because they've done an audit recently. And if you were to spend $5.3 billion building public housing on those sites, you don't have any cost for the land, so you're actually going to get about 17000 So we just heard from David Kelly, who was explaining a little bit about the number crunching that he's done for the big housing build. And the big big housing build is something that the Victorian government talks about a lot in relation to questions regarding the public housing waitlist blowout and the housing crisis more broadly. But as we just heard from David, the numbers don't really stack up. Um, and what we think also, judging by our what we've done some analysis as well, is that it looks like they're actually going backwards in terms of actual housing being built. One of the implications for the big housing build and the public housing renewal program is the demolition of long-running housing estates like Barack Beacon. And that has a real impact on the residents, of course. Um, so we're just about to hear from one of the residents of Barack Beacon, um, Margaret Kelly, no relation to David Kelly, who is has been living down on the estate um, at Port Melbourne for a number of years, and she's talking about the estate. She describes the estate and talks about um, how they found out that it was due to be demolished. So we'll go into Margaret now. I've lived here for 22 years. Um, it's a really nicely designed estate. It's um, two and three storey low rise buildings um, and it's been designed so that every unit is a little bit different from the others so it's a little bit quirky and a bit unusual. It's a very peaceful, pleasant place to live. People tend to stay here so you get to know people. It's always been a pretty stable community so there is a whole range of people living here including older people who have raised families here. You know there is an amazing diversity of people living here but nevertheless it's really peaceful you know. I came home from my rehabilitation program at the gym and uh, so I was already feeling a bit exhausted and lightheaded and opened this letter and the first words that made sense is that you are to be relocated. So that was a very great shock because there had been no discussion of it. Um, so obviously they had been planning it for a while because they kind of descended on the estate 
with this orchestrated manoeuvre going round and banging on doors. Um, and it was very bad timing because it was 12 days before Christmas, um, particularly for public housing tenants. It means that the organisations that you get support and advice for close down over Christmas. Apparently, they don't actually have any plans at all. Um, you know, there's not been anybody appointed to do designs or anything. The first manoeuvre is to move the tenants out. We got a five-page document, and the only definite statement was that we were to be relocated. My understanding is that they will be putting people in a variety of housing, including private rentals, that they will be subsidising. And I know in the case of one of the North Melbourne developments, they moved the tenants out in 2018, and they are still in temporary housing. We're now four years down the track. There is still not any housing on that side, so they will have paid out around $25 million putting people into temporary housing. doesn't seem like a good way of spending the taxpayers' money to me. So we just heard from Margaret, one of the tenants at the Barack Beacon Estate, and as she described, it doesn't really make any economic sense um, as well as social sense to be evicting these tenants and knocking over the estates. The thing that um, really amazes me about Barack Beacon is that the way the estate was designed was actually um, the result of a study tour that was done by the then Victorian government architects in the 60s who went over to England to study best practice um, and they came back with this really amazing design that's quite unique in Victoria and since then the equivalent that they copied from in England has been heritage listed yet here in Victoria we're deciding that it's better to have a um, hole in the ground. So the impact on the tenants, of course, is pretty varied. There's quite a lot of older people that live on that estate um, and they will be moving into various types of, um, I guess, private rental and head-leased properties, not public housing. There is a guarantee that they're going to go back, like all of the um, big housing build slash public housing renewal program um, properties in Victoria, but as we'll hear shortly from the experience of Northcote, that is not necessarily all that it seems. But what are you suggesting? The government's lying <laughs> in its guarantees? Well, you know, I mean, I think it's a complicated issue, but you can see from what's happening down at Break Beacon, where there's a really beautiful estate that looks over the ocean, um, right on the beach, surrounded by beautiful parkland. And then just across the way there is a whole bunch of luxury apartments. It seems like there's more of a gentrification agenda than an actual housing agenda going on. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. The so-called Labor Party hates public housing tenants, hates public housing, hates poor people, doesn't want them to have anything good. And so living near the beach, totally unacceptable when they could squeeze some money out of that land. Whereas we at HAG say... More public housing. Saying. Nothing's too good for the working class. More public housing. More public housing. But I'm More not public housing with nice beach views. Expropriate the uh, beachside suburbs uh, without compensation and turn, you know, 
the Mornington Peninsula into a public housing uh, estate. <laughs> Amazing. That would be great. Um, on that note, we might go into some announcements. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> says, shut up, Shane. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll hear more about what happened at the Walker Street estate um, in Northcote. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55am. This is Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group Summer Special about the state of public housing in Victoria. Fiona, what Mm. have we got coming up next? So this is an interview, an extract from an interview that we did with filmmaker Lucy McMahon about her film Things Will Be Different, which was following the experience of the tenants at the Northcote public housing estate on Walker Street, which has since been knocked down. Um, It talks a little bit about public housing as as an example of a good close-knit community, and it also talks about some of the things that tenants were told post um, prior to the public housing being knocked over and what actually happened. So we'll just go into that now. Um, you know, councils and governments try so hard and put so much money into trying to cultivate communities and that a lot of these walk-up sites actually do have these unique kind of layouts that allow for really amazing, thriving, healthy, functioning communities to exist. And there's a lot of stigma around public housing where people talk about public housing being ghettos of disadvantage where, you know, everyone with issues just gets clumped together and then it just becomes this really dysfunctional space, which is kind of the premise of this idea of social mixing. Um, But actually, you know, from our experience at Walker Street and from what people at Brack Beacon have been saying, and I think what you just sort of um, mentioned then, Fiona, that made me think of it, is that a lot of the time, yeah, these estates are actually really um, important, amazing communities that once you knock them down and move everyone out, there's very little chance that, you know, they, they can kind of reform in the ways that they um, they were functioning. Like at Walker Street, for example, there was a homework club. People who lived at the estate were employed to work at the homework club and help people after school with, with their schoolwork. And there was like a, a couple of the mothers from the estate had organised to go and pick up bread from Baker's Delight at the end of the day and that bread would get given out to the tenants for free. 
And, you know, these things aren't going to come back to the Walker Street estate. There won't be a community centre. There won't be a sort of centralised um, space uh, like there was at the like with the old layout of the previous estate. And I think that, um, yeah, it's kind of just an important thing for um, people who might not already be aware of that, that public housing actually has, yeah, it creates these really amazing um, kind of ecosystems and communities that we should be trying to foster and hold on to rather than, um, yeah, knocking down. We think about these renewal projects uh, on a cost basis and mostly that we think about that in relation to kind of economic Costs, but actually there is a human cost involved in these um, renewal processes as well, and the film really kind of goes into looking at the psychological and social impacts displacement has on um, particularly vulnerable people living in public housing. Initially, this renewal was put forward to the residents as something that was going to be really good for them. Like, they, they put forward this idea of social mix, that, like, um, you know, the, the properties will be tenure-blind, no one will be able to tell what's public housing and what's private housing, and that, you know, public housing tenants get this, like, opportunity to, um, you know, mix, to mix with, with non-public normal housing. People. <laughs> with normal people, which is apparently going to, you know, make things so much better in their lives. Um, and, you know, Will always talks about how, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people who live in public housing are suffering with, you know, some particular issues, but he talks about how there was this kind of beautiful harmony in the fact that everyone would support each other you know, when they were having a difficult time and he kind of doubts whether, um, you know, private tenants w would have that same mentality. But anyway, that's what was initially proposed was that, you know, this is going to be great for tenants because you get brand new houses um, and there's going to be this great opportunity for social mix. But the design of the development now has turned out that um, the private $3 million luxury apartments will be on the riverfront where um, Will's property used to be. And then all of the um, community housing will be in a sort of tower block on the corner of High and Westgarth Street. Um, so there's no sort of intermixing at all. And, um, yeah, and the, the houses are obviously going to be quite different. Like if the, the houses along the riverfront are only two or three storeys, but then everyone in um, community housing gets put into a tower on the corner. And, yeah, as you um, mentioned, Fiona, it is, it does become community rather than public housing, and that um, distinction is really important because um, it's essentially a moment in history where the government is handing over responsibility of some of the most vulnerable people in our society to these, you know, um, private entities, these, thing, these, these community housing startups. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR 855 Community Radio in Melbourne. Um, so we were just listening to what happened at Northcote, and I guess one of the arguments that the Victorian government puts forward a lot is that this public housing is really run down, that it's not fit for purpose, that it um, doesn't meet contemporary standards, and that the only solution for this is to um, to knock it over. So old and bedraggled you could not possibly fix it. Yeah, and there was actually an article in the paper today talking about exactly how many um, public housing units are left empty because of needing to be refurbished, and that's one of the issues as well, is that not only is there a public housing shortage because we don't have the stock, there is a whole bunch of stock that's just sitting there either repaired and waiting to be tenanted or in a state of disrepair and not able to be lived in. There, um, the numbers... Well, I bet some of our listeners could occupy and live in some of that uh, vacant housing stock pretty well. Yeah, well, we, that could be a call to arms, squat the empty public housing. Um, so 
I guess it's true that we do want tenants to be living in high-quality housing and we do think that um, things like insulation and, you know, things to mitigate climate is really, really important. There was a study done by sweltering um, cities into how hot public housing gets in summer and the impact of heat waves disproportionately affects older people, of course. So this is something that we definitely don't take lightly and don't want to dismiss the concerns that tenants have about their housing and, and needing repairs done. Um, apparently the wait list to getting repairs done is really long at the moment too. We've been hearing from some of our members. So all of that is nothing to be taken lightly or dismissed, but is the only solution to demolish that housing? That is the question. And so we put that question to uh, Simon from the not-for-profit architect firm office in an interview that we did a couple of weeks ago. And his, his firm has done some studies on what are the alternatives to demolition? What could we do and how much would it cost if we were to actually renovate and refurbish and, um, and make this stock able to meet contemporary standards, um, use less materials, so therefore having a better environmental impact, and of course um, retaining the stock so that tenants aren't displaced. So we're going to go straight into Simon now and he's going to tell us about the studies that his firm did and what they found. And we're interested in understanding why there'd never been a refurbishment study done on these estates. So the government's kind of has a broad statement that none of the public housing estates are fit for purpose and they can't be refurbished to bring them up to contemporary standards of living. Um, Yet we couldn't actually find any specific uh, reports or refurbishment studies done on individual estates. So it was interesting that there was this blanket statement that all public housing estates can't be brought up to contemporary standards of living, whereas being architects and, and having experience in this area, we could quickly identify estates that do have potential to be refurbished. So back in um, the start of this year, actually, we undertook a study on the Ascot Vale estate, uh, which has now led into the Barrack Beacon um, estate. And basically our study is called Retain, Repair, Reinvest, and it has three key principles. Um, the first being retain the existing communities, so not relocating them. Uh, second being repair the existing buildings to um, reduce the environmental impacts. And then reinvest any savings back into public housing. Um, so essentially it's a strategy to understand the refurbishment potential of public housing estates, but assessing them um, individually and specifically to their to their site, which, again, it's not um, revolutionary. It's, it's what's kind of undertaken throughout the construction industry. It just hasn't seemed to be done um, in regards to public housing. Um, what's the government's response been like to those reports? Welcome back. You're listening to 3CR. We just heard from Simon, one of the architects that has been looking at the options about refurbishing and renewing public housing instead of knocking it over. I guess we've heard from a few people today about the state of public housing in Victoria and I, for one, am a little bit hopeful that we have a new housing minister just elected in the last state election and hopefully we can start to look at this um, in, a, in a way that means that we can actually have more public housing built and better public housing for those tenants that are living in rundown housing and also potentially even save Barack Beacon Estate because it's such a beautiful estate um, and there are other options 
to knocking it over. As Simon's work has shown, it's actually cheaper and more effective and we can retain some of the beautiful architecture and the tenants that are living there and that sense of community that Lucy mentioned as well um, earlier, which she saw at Northcote when she was doing that documentary. That documentary is available to watch, I believe, online these days. You can look it up. Um, so, Shane, that's about all we have time for. Do you want to talk about what's happening with HAG over the summer break? After what I said about the Labor Party, Fiona won't let me get a word in about <laughs> politics anymore. <laughs> the, um, I just want to say that I also feel hopeful, not because we have a new housing minister, because honestly, come on, but because uh, grassroots activism over the last few years, by, in particular by public housing tenants, but also by renters more generally, um, ha- has been on the upsurge, and I think there's really exciting opportunities for people to continue that organising work and demand more and better public housing uh, and less demolition of public housing. Um, but HAG, that's what you wanted me to talk about. Yeah. So HAG is actually closed at the moment as we're broadcasting this. Uh, we'll be reopening on the 3rd of January. That's the first workday back after the public holiday. Uh, at 9am. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can leave a message during the break. Uh, someone will get back to you. Uh, if you want to get in touch about, you know, things like public housing activism or HAG advocacy work generally, uh, the number is 96547389. That's 96547389. Uh, or if you're calling because you're an older Victorian with a, a housing issue or, or a concern about your housing in the future, uh, the best number to call us on is free, one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. That's one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. Um, can I intro the song that we're going to go out with, or is there more to say before we do that? No, I just wanted to say about music generally. In our latest e-bulletin and also newsletter, there's a playlist of songs about renting. It's a great playlist, if I do say so myself, <laughs> having compiled it. Uh, but yeah, so this is which is one of the many benefits of becoming a HAG member. So do give us a call on that 96547389 number. Um, we'll send you out a Spotify link or some other. I'm not really sure what the format is. I think I it's a Spotify link. Newsletter. I don't um, think we're allowed to say Spotify on the radio. Not allowed to say Spotify, just like you're not allowed to mention any other social media on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Thanks um, so uh, the song that we're going to go out with, uh, again, we've switched over to this model of taking requests from HAG staff and other members, I guess, if any members want to get in touch about what we're going to play to end the show. Uh, I strongly objected to this song. Uh, I moved to Preston this year and people just kept saying, oh, I like that song to Preston by Courtney Barnett. Um, so this was requested by Ruben, uh, our co-worker who has been on the show before. You might have heard him. Um, I've never heard Depreston, so I'm about to hear. I think it sounds, <laughs> from the name, I think it's quite disparaging of my new neighbourhood. No. Don't like it. It's said with love. It's definitely said with love. And it's a great mm. two-chord song if you're just learning how to play guitar. Go for Depreston. Okay, so that's what we're going to hear. This is Depreston from Courtney Barnett. Thanks so much for listening all through the year. And we'll be back next year to bring you more news about public housing activism, public housing struggle, and housing justice for older people more generally. Uh, thank you very much. See you in 2023. You said we should look out further. I guess it wouldn't hurt us. We don't have to be around all these coffee shops Now 
we've got that percolator Never made a latte greater I'm saving $23 a week We drive to a house in Preston We see police arresting A man with his hand in a bag You say 